0: Welcome to the Climate Capital Podcast, where we interview founders who are solving the most difficult and important decarbonization problems in the world. Climate Capital, across all of our funds and our syndicate, is one of the most active funders of early-stage climate tech in the world. And This episode is led by Michael, that's me, and Jenny, the GPs of Climate Capital's BioFund. Today, we're interviewing Ben Kramer, a Stanford graduate and the COO of Wild Microbes. Wild Microbes is on a mission to unleash the true power of microbes in creating sustainable products. And if you want to know what that means, you're in the right place. Listen in. Ben, for our audience, um, how would you introduce yourself at a party?
1: Great question. Well, assuming it's a uh, social party and not a work event, I'd probably work into the conversation that I used to live in Kenya and that I just got married. Both are topics I love to talk about. Uh, At work events, I try to get people thinking about crazy locations we can collect microbes from for our strain bank. It's a fun topic that people can really connect with.
0: Can you tell us more about how you first met your co-founder, Tim, and how you both decided to work together?
1: For sure. We actually met in a modern romance as part of an accelerator called Nucleate, which helps match scientific and business co-founders in synthetic biology. I was the business side getting my MBA at Stanford and came from a background fascinated by biomimicry. The first part of Nucleate is a speed dating event, and Tim and I were loved at first sight over Zoom. Not exactly, but close enough. We bonded over our shared goal of reducing the impact of physical products on the environment and our shared values. And really, I loved his approach to problem solving, which often complemented my own. And we got better solutions when we worked on things together.
0: That does sound like about as modern romance as any any dating app. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. For people who haven't heard these terms before, what is synthetic biology and what is biomimetic design?
1: Yeah, so biomimicry is the practice of using nature's designs as an inspiration for our own technical designs. Planes' wings, modeled after a bird, is an obvious example, and there's lots to learn from millions of years of evolution in biology. Synthetic biology, for our purposes, is about engineering organisms like microbes or plants to be useful for our needs. Specifically at wild microbes, it means we engineer bacteria to make natural products. For example, you can take a cow's DNA that makes milk protein and insert it into a bacterial cell. Then if you grow that bacteria in a large tank, similar to how you'd brew beer, you can make it so that milk proteins come out instead of alcohol. It's a really fascinating sector that sometimes feels like I'm working in sci-fi.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a future that, you know, is is almost really here with us in the present, that not very many people realize uh, is happening, and and really not very many people realize it's even possible. Tell us a little more about what your kind of day-to-day looks like at Wild Microbes.
1: Well, the life of a founder is never boring. I can be in a meeting with IT lawyers one minute and then move to a sales call the next and finish by putting out a minor crisis in the lab all before noon. It's a high energy environment and requires a lot of internal motivation to keep pushing in the right direction. Um, But to be honest, though, it often involves things that I have no experience in. And I spend a lot of time learning how to do them right by researching it online uh, or asking advisors and friends for help.
0: It's... A hard job because as soon as you figure out how to do something, you have to then delegate it and go do something else that you have not figured out yet. (laughs) Exactly. What's been the most fun for you as a founder?
1: Well, I get so much joy out of working with our team. Spending time with them on collection trips for sourcing microbes in particular has been a highlight so far. For one event this summer, we bought a dozen types of, let's call them, Odiferous cheeses. We sampled them for microbes and then afterwards had a blind taste test as a team and laughed the whole time holding our noses and trying these
0: different cheeses. <laughs> Do you remember what cheese was your favorite?
1: <laughs> I never learned the names of the cheeses, but I liked one cheese that was uh, black. It had been made in ash of some sort. And I, I liked that one. And there was one though that I couldn't, I couldn't even finish the sample, to be honest.
0: <laughs> I've never even heard of a, a black cheese. Uh, cool. Well, where where did this happen? Remind me, where are you and your team located?
1: Our lab is in Cambridge, Massachusetts, near MIT at a building called The Engine. It's a, it's a great new co-working space with lots of biotech startups, uh, a really fun community of other founders and state-of-the-art equipment.
0: I am a big fan of The Engine. I feel like they... They do amazing work. So that sounds like the right place to be. You mentioned you met Tim. You're both guided to kind of make products that were less detrimental to the environment. Let's dive into what are you making and and how does that work?
1: Yeah, good question. So we are focusing on making products that alleviate pressure on the environment. For example, using bioproduction for making proteins means that you need less animals in your supply chain as an input, like for making milk or egg products. Uh, Making pigments or cosmetics with biomanufacturing means less need for chemical based products and water pollution that accompanies it. We engineer new species of bacteria to make these products biologically and then work with our partners to scale the processes. Our goal is to replace the need for eco-destructive products in the supply chain by using biology.
0: So on kind of the highest level, you know, I think that makes sense, but for folks that are not familiar with this type of work, can you try to explain the scope of how many destructive products can be replaced by this type of work or, or maybe some concrete examples to help people really grasp like what this all means? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Bioproduction is this incredible technology that can make a huge range of products and recent estimates show that you know, more than 60% of, of physical goods in our supply chain can be made biologically, which is a staggering number. Uh, one example is making dyes and pigments. Instead of using petroleum as an input, you can engineer a microbe to make natural colors. And we have a whole host of beautifully colored strains in our strain bank right now in Cambridge. Uh, You can also use bioproduction to make ingredients for food or cosmetics, which is a perfect example of industry demand, where there's a strong uh, consumer pull for natural products. And bioproduction is really well suited for making many of the ingredients.
0: Help me understand how petrochemicals oil um, fit into that picture. Uh, So bioproduction can make up to 60% of the physical inputs to the global economy, you said. Awesome. So what's the um, climate impact there?
1: Yeah, that's, that's one exciting. One of the exciting things about bioproduction is that many, uh, many products are already in daily use by a lot of people. They just don't always realize it. For example, a lot of cleaning products contain enzymes that are made using fermentation. For petrochemicals specifically, there are thousands of chemicals that come from oil all over the world in all of our day to day activities. Luckily, there are also about a trillion species of bacteria on Earth. So it really becomes a matter of finding the right microbe that makes the right starting molecule and then engineering it to make a final product that can be slotted into the chemical industry. The final molecule the bacteria makes can then be an input into another process or a final product by itself thereby replacing the need to start with petroleum.
0: Got it. So for the more than half of global annual emissions that come from making physical goods, starting with oil, you're addressing all of that. Is that right?
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. That's the approach we're working
0: on. Huge. So can you help maybe with some examples of the impact with with specific products that can be made from biomanufacturing?
1: Many of the products that we use on a daily basis, like I mentioned, comes from animals or oils, um, from the ingredients and the cosmetics to the snacks we eat, the materials and colors that make up our clothes. And these perpetuate a dirty supply chain, which pumps greenhouse gases into our atmosphere and pollutes natural ecosystems. The real solution here that we're taking is to try to make a direct replacement for these products that is made by biology, which has a much lower impact. Uh, the inputs are, are a carbon source, um, some minerals, and you kind of grow them in a fermentation tank in a really centralized uh, location rather than needing to strip them from the rainforest or mm. to have a, a factory farm. Um, and by making these products with microorganisms instead, we can forge a, a new cleaner supply chain while still enjoying the products we love.
0: Got it. Now that we have the big picture down of what it is that Wild Microbes is focused on, you know, you you all have in the early stages of your company commercial traction, and and for a lot of companies that we see working in biotech, climate solutions, especially, that's a tough thing to, to really find in the beginning stages of the company. Are there highlights that you can share of the commercial side of your business?
1: Yeah, you, you nailed it, Michael. Like, I, look, I believe strongly that you can have a huge impact with a mission-driven company at scale. But the key part there is scale. So from the beginning, we've been building wild microbes with the customer in mind, ensuring that we use our technology to make products people really want. So we've already had a lot of interest from companies in food, in cosmetics, and chemicals to help them launch bio-based products of their own using new microbes. They share our vision, and it's been incredible to imagine with them the future of fermentation uh, as they support the the mission to harness wild microbes for a competitive commercial advantage.
0: So companies are thinking, man, you know, we want to be more sustainable in how we make whatever it is that we're making. Um, and we want to stop using petrochemicals in our supply chain, and you are one of the solutions that they use to make that happen. Um, is that the right way to think about it? Absolutely.
1: In a lot of these sectors, there's a real consumer push for bio-based sustainable products, and using fermentation is one of the, the best ways to accomplish that.
0: So, let's hear the the elevator pitch then. Like, if you're Meeting a new client or new, new person for the first time and you're trying to explain what it is that, why they should engage with wild microbes, what's the quick pitch?
1: Yeah, so we make it easier to launch fermentation-based products by using new microbes. So we take advantage of traits that we call them non-model microbes have evolved over millennia. And this makes fermentation faster and cheaper and more efficient than other methods. As a platform, we are able to work with a variety of different partners and industries to boost up the bioeconomy as a whole, which is really our goal
0: understood and I just I do want to kind of double click on this because we haven't talked about it yet. What is the main problem that the bioeconomy faces with fermentation, and why does using novel microbes help to solve that
1: yeah in our in our experience, chatting with well over a hundred other Fermentation-based companies, the 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 classic challenge is, is meeting the unit economics and the scale that is that are required to actually replace some of these petrochemical and animal products. They both those other industries have been around for hundreds, if not thousands of years, have a big head start. Um, and much of the industry right now relies on five or maybe ten microbes. Uh, they they generally use the same handful for all products and. While you can oftentimes make the products with those microbes, it's not always the right one to take to scale. So what at uh, Wild Microbes we're doing is we're using our, our cutting-edge engineering technology to bring in hundreds of new microbes to the equation and begin to ask, what is the best microbe in the world to take this product to scale to make it more effectively? Um, and in doing so, make, it, make fermentation realize its vision of, of being cheaper and sustainable
0: got it. So kind of big picture, bioproduction can address a huge amount of annual greenhouse gas emissions by taking petrochemicals out of the supply chain. And bioproduction, by and large, is using a process of fermentation. And wild microbes is able to make that process significantly more efficient and effective. And the way you do it is by saying, maybe we shouldn't use E. coli or yeast to make everything. There's probably in all of the trillions of microbes in the world, a microbe that would be more effective and efficient um, at scale. I think that one thing we think a lot about at Climate Capital Bio is the challenges of fermentation at scale. So I just want to get a little bit more from you, Ben, on how wild microbes fits into the challenge of scaling bioproduction as a one, one potential solution for that challenge. And if you don't mind, like just explaining, you know, why that is challenging in general.
1: Absolutely. So there's so many technical disciplines within the field of synthetic biology that are required to, to take something from an idea or from a lab bench to a giant hundred thousand liter facility one of the the challenges that companies face in getting to scale is that while they're able to engineer it, their standard organism like E. coli to make a product um and on a lab bench when they take it to scale it turns out that that microbe isn't really happy living in a 100,000 liter tank with all the pressure and stress and spinning rotors and you know anoxic environment sometimes that they that they die and are very unproductive. Hmm. So what we're trying to do is go way back to the source and say, what if we found a microbe that loved to live in a big tank, that survived under pressure and has evolved to, you know, live in hardy environments and be really rugged um, and maybe already makes, uh, maybe already makes the product that we're looking for. And then what if we took that to scale instead? And so just throughout every step of the scaling process, it should make it easier because the organism is has evolved over time. Maybe we got it from a uh the bottom of the ocean and it you know mm-hmm. loves pressure. Maybe we got a microbe from the intertidal zone where it is exposed to both cold water and hot sun during the course of the day. So it has a wide temperature range. And um, as your imagination's going, you begin to think about environments that are easy to pull microbes from that we can then use to take advantage of, um, kind of turn these challenges of biomanufacturing into an opportunity.
0: Beautiful, beautiful and very intuitive, right? It's like the kind of thing when you hear it out loud, you're like, oh yeah, of course we should do that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So if everything goes well over the next decade, what does success look like for wild microbes and, and how does the world change if you all are really successful?
1: Yeah, we think about this a lot. So our mission at Wild Microbes is to build a better world through biology. And we envision thousands of sustainable products powered by a rugged wild microbe strain. Um, I see a future personally where biology ushers in a new era of sustainable product development by becoming so affordable and scalable, it's really the best option for making products. Now, the effect would be to break our dependence on petroleum and animals in the supply chain for the first time, by making real products that are better and cheaper and also sustainable.
0: Outside of work, are there any uh, activities that you do that you feel like help make you a better founder or a better person?
1: Yeah, absolutely. With something like founding a company, it can be so full on. It's really important to find joy in other activities of your life and to give your brain and your spirit a break. So one example is you know pretty simple. I like to play pickup soccer. So I joined a league. I get into almost a meditative state when I play and I'm not thinking about, you know, my to-do list. Um, that really helps. I'm also taking an art class around creativity and drawing, which helps, i found, to bring new perspectives to my life and use the other side of my brain, so to speak, and, and be around creative people. And um, it allows my brain to kind of process in the background. And so, when I come back into work after that, I'm much more creative and energized.
0: I think that's all the time we have Ben. So I just wanted to say thank you very much for chatting with us and and telling us about the work that you're doing. And also thank you uh, for doing the work that you're doing. Thank you, Michael. This is really great sharing and we've enjoyed yours and Jenny's support from the very beginning. Thank you to everybody for listening today. If you'd like to learn more about our conversation or to get involved with the work that Climate Capital is doing, you can check out our website, climatecapital.co. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you next time.